This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 26th, 2020. All in a day's work, new life. Well, good morning, Connection Church. It is so good to be with each and every one of you this morning. Today, we're going to finish our series, All in a Day's Work, where we've been looking at some of the miracles of Jesus today. Our focus is on new life. I am really excited to be here today. It just feels good to be together in the house of the Lord and sing that holy, holy, holy is the Lord, because that's what it's all about, to glorify God. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before we pray... You know, before we pray, um, we want to share a couple of important things. First, you guys are doing a great job with this whole COVID thing, masking up and keeping the social distance. I know, especially at church, how hard that is. You know, we especially we're, you know, kind of a hugging church. It's hard to do, isn't it? But uh, we appreciate and uh, celebrate. And uh, um, the regather team. Um, and the leadership teams have made the decision that uh, we're going to just, starting next week, go into one in-person service. And so the online and the in-person will both be at 1030 starting next week. Um, yeah. It was a tough decision, but y'all who have been here, I think you understand it. So um, anyway, next we want to share some really, really exciting news. For the next four weeks, it's August 2nd, and then three weeks following, we are going to have a 316 family blast. It's this family service, only four weeks, but we're going to like test balloon this. So we're inviting families who have kids that normally worship in the, in the gym, excuse me, in the gym to come as a family, and they'll be socially distanced. And it's a family thing. It's not a community thing. Kids aren't going to be running around. But they're going to experience as a family what the kids would normally experience in the gym. It's a 30 to 45-minute deal. Um, Laura Wilkins and Amy Novacell are, like, really excited about it, pretty informal. And, you know, the parents are going to get to engage in some conversation with their kids too, guided conversation about the Life app and the Bible. It's all going to be like um, questions that will be given to them. So we're very, very excited about this. And registration is going to be online just like you register for this service. So that is online now. So I think we're ready to pray now. I think it's time. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to share exciting news and be together as a family called Connection Church. And now settle us in right where we are so that we can um, connect with you, Lord, through scripture, through the word of God. We pray this in your holy name. Everybody gathered said, amen. 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 So today's scripture is found in the eighth chapter of the book of Luke. Luke is Matthew, Mark, Luke, third, third book in the New Testament. Um, same chapter as the scripture from last week and the week before. We have three miracles right there in a row in that uh, eighth chapter of Luke. Luke 8, 40 through 42a, the first half of the 42nd verse. 
Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So we read, Jesus returns. Jesus returns. He comes back to where he had been prior to calming the storm. We talked about that two weeks ago. Prior to exhorting the demons from the man known as Legion, Bill Trench talked about that last week, and what an incredible message he gave. We're so grateful for um, his gifting. And we're not told by what means Jesus returns. We're just kind of guessing that it's still probably by the boat that he used, you know, crossing back and forth the Lake Tiberias in the first place. Yeah. And it says that the people were, were there to welcome him back. They, they were expecting him. Expecting. How did they know? How did they know he was on his way? Again, we're not told. All we know is the crowd was there, and they were expectantly, expectantly waiting for Jesus, sitting there waiting when he got there. One guy in particular, especially a guy named Jairus, now, this isn't just anybody in the crowd. This is a man of position, a man of power. He was a man of importance in that community. He's the leader in the synagogue, the local center for Jewish worship, which means that he was responsible. He had a lot of responsibility for administration, building maintenance, worship, supervision, and in our prep for this, according to a footnote in Life Application Bible, um, there's some additional things we learned. First, um, by the time Jesus, uh, he's doing a lot of work outside of the synagogue at this point because he's kind of worn out his welcome inside the synagogue. And he and the Jewish leaders really weren't seeing eye to eye at this point. So he is out, out, out. Second, it would have been highly unusual that a respected synagogue leader to fall at the feet of an itinerant preacher, Jesus, to beg him to heal his daughter. Remember who Jairus was. And now he's falling at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is a society that also places very little value on children especially female children. But here we have Jairus, who is the exception. He is willing to do whatever it takes to save his daughter, who's just on the threshold of womanhood. Um, it says she's, at tw she's 12 years old. He is willing to humble himself at the feet of Jesus. And so we continue Luke 8, starting at 42b and going from there. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there, who had been bleeding, had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the people are crowding and pressing against you. 
But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling, trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Wow. So as Jesus is headed to the house of Jairus to heal his daughter, just imagine the scene. The crowds were crushing him. It reminds me of, I'm like this country concert kind of freak. I love going to concerts, and, and I can remember uh, Susan Faulkner and I were at BB&T, and like uh, Keith Urban would jump off the stage and walk through the crowd, and it's like you just want to crush the guy and just like touch his shirt. Sorry, Alan. That's your challenge, not mine. <laughs> yeah, but we did stay out to 3 a.m. one time to see Jackson Brown get off the bus. So anyway, you know, just imagine, though, that scene. Imagine it. So there's a crowd in the crushing crowd is a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. That's a really long time, really long time. And it's so much more than just the bleeding. According to Jewish law, and we find this in Leviticus chapter, chapter 15, a woman is considered unclean when she's bleeding, whether it's her normal cycle or an abnormal condition. And this is this woman's life. It's her life. Not only was she considered unclean, but anyone who touched her was considered unclean as well. And so that meant that if you're unclean, you're set apart. You're ostracized. You couldn't go to worship. You couldn't go to the market. You couldn't do... You were just alone. Wow. I mean, it kind of reminds us of the COVID thing, but we're all in that together. This is that one woman who's bleeding. Man. And so for her, it just wasn't a week, a month, but it was her life, pushed away, isolated, 12 long, lonely years. Interesting. She'd been isolated as long as Jairus's daughter was alive. That was like a, well, that's an interesting little fact. Yeah, 12 years. And another <clears throat> telling of this story found in the fifth chapter of Mark, Mark's telling, we're told that, this, this is just a great line, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She suffered under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had only to get worse. Only to get worse. Now, rather than better, now Luke is a physician. And so uh, the guy who wrote the, the scripture that we're focused on today, not the Mark, but the Luke, Luke's a physician, so it kind of makes sense that he leaves this part out, <laughs> that the doctors aren't helping her. <laughs> and so with all this in mind, though, it's no wonder that she would be willing to try anything, anything, 
even breaking the Levitical law, breaking the societal norms, the social rules that everybody lived by, to, just to touch the edge of that cloak that she believed would give her healing. I mean, she was desperate for a lot of reasons, and she's desperate enough to do whatever it takes. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Now we know that Jesus knew who touched him because he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knew, but he wasn't going to let the woman secretly touch his robe and just disappear into the crowd. It wasn't that he wanted to publicly humiliate or embarrass her for touching the robe in secret. That, that's not who Jesus is. He is not... He would never humiliate or anyone. He wanted her to realize that it wasn't some magical thing about touching the robe that made her well. It was her faith. It was her faith, his power to heal, his power to bring new life. That's what brought healing to this hurting, outcast woman. There's a preacher and a teacher and a writer, his name's Fred Craddock, and he shares in a commentary um, from the Interpretation series. It's a, it's a biblical uh, reference guide for writing and just for learning about scripture. And Fred says this, and we just think this is an incredible line. Faith is indeed personal, but it is certainly not private. Think about that. Now, it's not like we have to be out on a street corner, but we live it. And that's not always private when people know that we're Christians, just living it. Faith is indeed personal, but it is certainly not private. Mm. That's why we don't do private baptisms. You know, I've had people say, well, I'm kind of shy. Could you just come to the house? No. If somebody's sick, we would go to that, but we'd take a representative body of the church with us. We, we don't do private. There are opportunities for us to publicly express our faith and for the faith community that we're part of to not only support us in that proclamation of faith in our faith journey, but for them also to be reminded of their baptism. <laughs> Uh, of their public expression of faith as well. And, and the idea that even though we are saved individually, we are a community of faith. We're a community of faith. Jesus was publicly stating that she's no longer to be ostracized, that, that she's no longer to be on the outside looking in, no longer set apart from this community of faith. He's welcoming, welcoming her as he welcomes each and every one of us to be a part of his kingdom. Yeah. Thanks to Jesus, this woman found new life. New life for her and for us. It was a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. For Jesus, it's all in a day's work. It's, it's what he does. It's who he is. Yeah. He brings new life, not just to her, but to you and me as well. Yeah. Continuing with the scripture, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, 
Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Can you imagine the scene? A 12-year-old, I mean, this is, not, this is not normal. This is not good. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone <laughs> what had happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dead people don't eat, do they? No. Mm -mm. So word came to Jesus while he was still speaking with the woman healed from the bleeding that Jairus' daughter had died. Jesus told Jairus to not be afraid, to believe, and she would be healed. He, he told those gathered who were wailing and mourning that she was just sleeping, and they laughed, but he knew better. <laughs> she was just sleeping, and that's true when Jesus is there. Because when Jesus is there, Jesus and death don't occupy the same space, do they? <laughs> no, she's just sleeping. And so he brought her new life. She got up. She had something to eat. To those gathered, to you and me, it's a miracle. For Jesus, it's all in a day's work. It's who he is. It's what he does. Brings new life. So here we have in Luke 8 what we call a miracle within a miracle. In one case, the, the bleeding woman, she was dying emotionally, psychologically, socially, maybe even spiritually separated from, well, everybody. Everybody. And in the other case, we have Jairus' daughter brought to new life by someone who was, um, to someone who was physically dead. In both cases, life was restored. Life was restored. New life. New life in Christ. There's a scripture we use around here a lot. It's one that you know. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Would you say it with me, please? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You know, new life in Christ is not a one-and-done kind of thing. It starts with that point where we stop saying no to the relationship to Jesus, the relationship he offers, that saving moment. And then for the rest of our lives, Jesus works on us. <laughs> and he works on us. Sometimes a little painful, <laughs> but he works on us. Finding those dead places in our lives and giving us new life to replace them. It's happened to me over and over and over again over the years. Most recently, it came as a result of the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. <laughs> Jesus has used that as a means of opening my eyes, my heart, my soul to a dead place in me. A place where I had conveniently ignored some things 
that now I'm no longer able to ignore. Jesus has used that death to bring new life to me, a place in my soul that I had allowed to die. Maybe you have an example or two of Jesus restoring your life or you felt new life in Christ. If you do, talk to us. Tell us. Let us know. Let us know. Right? Yeah. We'd love to hear it. So the question for all of us this morning is this. Right here, right now, what is it in you that's dead or dying? We all have these spaces. What is it in you that's dead or dying? We all have the places deep, deep, deep within that need to be weeded out. You know, we need to clean house, get rid of those spots. It's like I've got a lot of, we've got a lot of closets in our house, and there's some that just need to be weeded out. And I feel like in my soul, I need to, that's what, you know, reflection and self-examination is all about, to look deep in and see where are those spaces that we need to clean out. Where could you use a little new life in Christ? So this week, we encourage you to let that ruminate. Think about that. Today, tomorrow, in the week ahead. Maybe, maybe like the woman who was bleeding, it is time for you to reach out with everything you've got. Reach out and touch Jesus, inviting him to heal you. We all need healing in some way. Reach out and touch. Allow Jesus to heal. Maybe it's time to realize um, your utter need for a Savior, my utter need for a Savior. There's times when I just motorboat around, not literally, but I kind of forget. And it's like, oh, gosh, yeah, he is, he's at the top of mind, not, you know, second thought. Maybe it's time to reach out in faith to the one for whose, whom saving is not some kind of miracle, but it's all in a day's work for you in your life. For him to come in, it's all in a day's work. That's who he is. That's what he does. It's even in his name. His name is Jesus. And Jesus means he saves. God saves. I don't know about you, but... For me, this is all such good news because it's not just some story about a woman with the issue of blood and, and about a little girl that was dying that came to life, but this is for you and for me today where we can reach out or in faith. We can just believe because Jesus always shows up in some form. Jesus would never leave you stranded. He loves you beyond measure. So that's the good news of the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for Luke chapter 8. For what we call miracles, but for Jesus, it's all in a day's work. It's what he does. It's who he is. And God, we pray a blessing over each household represented here this after this morning that that they would experience your blessing and your love and your presence in a in a real way
could be through a call, it could be through a touch, it could be just through a, a flooding of peace, it could be through a recognition of your presence. But Lord, new life in you, that's what it's all about. In fact, it's in our mission as a church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. Thank you so much. We glorify your holy name in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.